you to turn to the Gospel of Luke this evening, in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, we'll begin in verse 1 there. Now, the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him into the, to them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Wherewithal that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you must know our Lord knows all things. He knows this man will be willing to give his place for uh, the meeting. And you shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. Then he shall show you a large upper room furnished, and there make ready. Aren't you glad that the Lord has all preparations made for everything? He always thinks ahead. So often we, we come up short, don't we? But the Lord is always has everything ready that you need and I need. And when we come to his table tonight and to our portion in his word tonight, it will be just what we need. We have great confidence in him and in his word. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And notice that they are called apostles now before the coming of Pentecost and before their uh, exercising that office. God always sees us as what we're going to be. Do you know he sees us absolutely glorified this evening? In, in heaven, sitting in, heaven, in the heavenlies with his son. And here they are, apostles. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and he gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words, how they encourage us, how they bless us. We pray that you would bless your word tonight. In our remembrance of you, search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. Show us ourselves. But, Lord, we pray that you'd show us your glory and your grace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
They love me. And you know, our Father in Heaven is no different. He wants to hear our praise, and he wants to hear us say, I love you. I don't know when was the last time that you said, I love you. But while I'm singing this song, would you just say it once more? David sang the praises 
of the glory of Jehovah. Paul preached, all is lost, save knowing Christ. Little John said he is precious while leaning on his bosom. So for a moment, may I humbly testify. Did I mention that I love him? How I worship and adore him when I could see no way he made a way and did I mention he's been faithful to every promise he ever made me I love him that's all I want to say And how many sermons can be preached about this Jesus? How many songs can be sung about God's Son? Well, there are not enough words. Enough notes in the music to tell the story of all my Savior has done. And did I mention that I love Him, how I worship and adore Him? When I could see no way, he made a way. And did I mention he's been faithful to every promise he ever made me? I love him, that's all. I want to say I love you tonight. I hope you do too.
as we approach the Lord's table, we come with thanksgiving for what he's done for us, making it possible for us to come and to partake of this memorial. And this is a memorial, and it speaks to us of Christ's glorious atoning work on our behalf. The most hated doctrine in the scripture is the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And man has tried to take it apart and do away with it and add to it and subtract from it and make it anything but what it is. Man cringes at the thought that God would be angry at us at all. The Bible says that God is angry at the wicked every day. He is absolutely holy without the one speck of sin. He is altogether righteous. Not one facet in the great diamond of his attributes violates another. And while we praise him for redeeming love, free mercy and grace, I would remind you that his grace and his love do not outweigh his holiness. And so there must be atonement for our sin. There must be a payment for the debt of our sin. The greatest event in all of history took place at Calvary on an old rugged cross on that jagged hillside just outside Jerusalem. All of history hinges on it. In the cross of Christ, I glory towering over the wrecks of time. All the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. This supper was, I remind us, instituted by the Lord himself. It was not the idea of the disciples, the apostles. It certainly was not the idea of the Sanhedrin or anyone else. This is no invention of man. And there, how dare man take it and to make it into something other than what our Lord instituted it to be. It too has been maligned and turned into a monster. Adding to it the saving work. Just the mere taking of the meal and nothing could be further from the truth. Isn't how prone man is to take God's symbols and to turn them into something else. No religious hierarchy ordained this meal. Its simplicity, its solemnness, its sacredness was all devised by our Lord to commemorate his great work for us. You see how simply our Lord does things. We turn it into something else. The opening verses of the Word of God says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and just very simply tells us what He did. The most amazing portions of Scripture, the most amazing and glorious things that God has done is often shrouded in the simplest and fewest words of Scripture. We so quickly forget. As humans, we are prone to, to forget, to take lightly even the most precious things. I was reminded today that I forgot an engagement that I had yesterday morning. I was to preach at a brotherhood breakfast at a church out in the uh, north of the city here. I had it written down. I had reminded myself and, and absolutely forgot about it. We forget things in that way, and then sometimes we purposely forget things. We We just put them aside, don't we, and hope that they'll go away. And so for our continual reminder, the Lord gave us this meal to point to his work on our behalf. 
And notice in the scripture the word to describe it is often. As often as you partake of this meal. Ephesians tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. How clear could it be that this work, this glorious salvation that we've sung about tonight is not of ourselves. It does not originate from us. It does not come out of us. We cannot bring it to pass. Not of works, lest any man should boast. If you could work for it, if you could do something to earn it, you'd have a braggart behind it telling us from now through eternity how they accomplished it. We boast in the glory of our Lord. We boast in His holiness. We boast in His finished work. We glory in His cross. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until He come. We do not approach this table superstitiously. There is nothing magical about the elements in this meal. The simple fruit of the vine. Unleavened bread, they're symbols. Simply a reminder of two things, what Christ has done and what Christ is going to do. He has paid for our sins. It is paid in full. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He has satisfied all the requirements of the law of God and by his Sinless life. Oh, the imminent worth of the sacrifice portrayed here. None of us has kept the law perfectly. I have on occasion met some misguided folks who felt like they had. But I, uh, you don't have to talk to someone long before you find out that they, they have. Pride cannot be contained, can it? It, like a, a monster, will come out at some point. And the Bible tells us to to offend in one point is to offend in all. His law is to be taken as a whole. We might divide it and and relegate it to different parts, but it's all or nothing. To violate the word of God by eating of the fruit of the tree was all that it took to become sinners. You don't have to have a compilation of sins, although in each one of our cases, if you could see your reality as God sees it, you'd see a long list of things against your name. We used to sing the old account was growing. It was large and growing every day. And I, For I was always sinning and never tried to pay. And when I looked ahead, I saw such pain and woe. And then I had it settled. I settled long ago. Do you remember what the law required? I hope that you keep the, the moral law of God where you can refer to it often. It's in the beginning of my devotion notebook and almost daily I read what God has revealed to us about himself. We know what God is like by, his, by the, the commandments that he's given to us. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Period. Nothing comes between you and me. Not a person, not a thing, not a goal, not a sin, not a lust, not an idea, not a philosophy. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, but we have. We've worshipped self. We've, we've exalted our own wills above the will of God. and In doing so, we have become idolaters. Everyone under the sound of my voice is an idolater. Every person who's ever lived has broken the first command. 
We go further. Thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord in vain. I hear every day the Lord's name used in such a vain way. We hear it on the news, don't we? When some tragedy happens or somebody's excited, if somebody wins the lottery or someone something happens, they take the Lord's name not in praise, not in adoration, not in prayer, but as a byword. He will not hold them guiltless that taketh his name in vain. How casually people throw around the name of their creator. To use his name in any other way than utter worship and amazement and awe is to take his name in vain. Make it a useless byword. There, I'm afraid that many of us are guilty as well. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How often we treat the Lord's day as a day of recreation, relaxation, or for one's own pleasure. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, not we ourselves. We're His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise and be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Oh, how we should sanctify the Lord's day, how we should fence it in by our affections and our attention as a day sacred to Him. To The first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, signifying that we're His and He is ours. Our times are in His hands. Honor thy father and mother. Did you ever do anything your parents told you not to do? Then you've broken all the law of God. Thou shalt not kill. And I'm sure that some would hide themselves in the comfort of, I've never taken another person's life. I've never killed another person. But Jesus told us, if you've ever been, ever been angry at someone, you have done the same thing as breaking this command. So I could go through all the commands. I'll not belabor the point tonight. I think I've gone far enough to know that we need a Savior, don't we? That we have no righteousness we can cling to. No filthy garment of rags of righteousness we can wrap ourselves in tonight. None of it will hold to the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We need a Savior. We need His sacrifice on our behalf. Someone says, I've never taken anything from anybody. Have you ever talked about someone disparagingly? Whether or not you have all the facts you've stolen from their character. And you can never pay it back to them. We could not keep perfectly the moral law of God because of the sinfulness of our flesh. So God in His great grace, His bountiful mercy, sent His Son to to pay a debt He did not owe, that we owed but could never pay. Christ lived a sinless life and met all the, the law of God's perfection. Every time we observe this supper, we remember what he has done. We remember our great need and his great sufficiency. God always has what we need. What did he do? We opened the song service this evening with that song that asked a question, that old English hymn. Oh, listen to our wondrous story, counted once among the lost. Yet one came from heaven's glory, redeeming us at awful cost. What did he do? He died for you. Where is he now? Believe it thou in heaven interceding. 
He lived and died for us to save us from our own sin, from our own selves. I remind you that the supper is for saved people. It is not for unbelievers. And if you're outside of Christ, please do not add to your condemnation by the casual partaking of this meal. You'll only treasure to yourself damnation in the great day. It is for those who are children. It isn't for those who have not been saved. If you're not saved, this supper is not for you. And I say that with all the, the kindness in my heart, and though it may not sound like it is. It will not help your standing before the Lord one bit. If you know that you're lost, if you know that you're outside of Christ, partaking of this meal will not help your spiritual situation one bit. It will only make it worse. Your need is the Savior. Your need is repentance and faith in the finished work of Christ not to partake of something that would salve your soul and your heart to make you think you're working your way to heaven. I'll go a step further. This meal is not for those uh, those who have uh, placed, there's only for those who've placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save them and to cleanse them from their sins and who, who have been obedient to him and followed his example and have submitted uh, themselves to him in believer's baptism. The Bible's very clear on this matter. It is a family meal. It is a, a sacred memorial to the, to the finished work of Christ. And if you're outside the family of Christ, it means nothing to you. You don't know the, the meaning. These things are spiritually discerned. He cried out from the cross, It is finished. Salvation is bought and paid for. I think my favorite of Wesley's hymns, that we, we don't sing it because it's not in our hymn book, but... As a child, we sang the hymns of Wesley, and this one was my favorite. It has a haunting tune, and it says, O love divine, what hast thou done? The incarnate God hath died for me. The Father's co-eternal Son bore all my sins upon the tree. The Son of God for me hath died. My Lord, my love is crucified. Is crucified for me and you to bring us rebels near to God. Believe, believe the record true. Ye all are bought with Jesus' blood. Pardon for all flows from his side. My Lord, my love is crucified. Behold him, all ye that pass by. The bleeding prince of life and peace. Come, sinners, see your Savior die. And say, was ever grief like his? Come, feel with me his blood applied. My Lord, my love is crucified. The simple remembrance is a sermon itself. It is a, a silent sermon in its partaking. It speaks to us of his body that was wounded for our, on our behalf and his blood that was shed to, to purchase our salvation. It declares that God had a body, took on a body. One of the most amazing things in all the scriptures is that he became flesh. The word became, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We could not comprehend such an infinite being had not the second person of the Godhead took on a body so that we could see what God is like. And so Jesus could declare, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He had flesh and blood, and that blood was spilt for us in agony on the cross. What a mystery. I admit tonight that these, this is sacred and mysterious ground. What a miracle 
God taking on flesh and dying for us. Apart from the revelation of Scripture, we could not comprehend it. As you take these memorial elements in your hands, you are reminded of Christ's flesh and blood. And let me make it clear, these elements don't become the flesh and blood of Christ, as some erroneously teach. They represent, they are a picture of the flesh and blood of Christ. Some take the words that said, you're eating my flesh and eating my blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But these are pictures. This is not the blood of Christ. This is not, it does not become that in some mysterious and miraculous way as we partake of this meal. They are simply reminders, simply memorials. They are representations of the work of Christ. He told Thomas, handle me and see. A spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see I have. We have a real Savior, don't we? Not a fairy tale Savior. One who lived among us and who has ascended on high tonight, making intercession for us, preparing a place for us. And when he's finished, he will come again. He's promised us that. I will come again. And so this meal reminds us of that, doesn't it? That he's coming again. We're reminded of our our Lord's sufferings, of, of his mistrial, of his cruel treatment, false witnesses, forsaking Cursing disciples, a jeering crowd. We will not have this man to rule over us. In that mob, we see our faces. If we could paint a picture, all of our faces would be in that crowd. Our voices and our cursings and our railings would blend with theirs. Think of his cruel treatment. Here we're told to remember it all. We cannot partake of this meal without remembering the pain. Go to dark Gethsemane, ye that feel the tempter's power. Your Redeemer's conflict see. Watch with him one bitter hour. Turn not from his griefs away. Learn of Jesus gone to pray. See him at the judgment hall, beaten, bound, reviled, arraigned. See him meekly bearing all, love to man his soul sustained. Shun not suffering, shame, or loss. Learn of Christ to bear his cross. Calvary's Mournful mountain climb, there adoring at his feet. Mark that miracle of time, God's own sacrifice complete. It is finished, hear him cry. Learn of Jesus Christ to die. Early hasten to the tomb where they laid his breathless clay. All is solitude and gloom who hath taken him away. Christ is risen, he meets our eyes. Savior, teach us so to rise. 2,000 years ago, in a simple upstairs guest room, after a meal that he shared that was instituted by his father to the Jews, the Passover, he did a new thing. This meal is not the Passover. They partook of the Passover, and then because he was instituting his church, about to inaugurate his church, his bride, the body of Christ. He is going to mark it in a new way, by a new observance that we've been told to remember until he comes again. Our Lord instituted himself this memorial and told him to teach it to others who would believe on his name. We have not taught all the gospel until we rightly treat and teach this meal 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And this is one of those all things. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye and teach all nations. This is one of those things that he's taught us to observe, and this meal sets forth for us what he has done. And then I want to remind us that this meal reminds us of what he is going to do. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. What is he going to do next? He's going to come again and receive us to himself. I know not the day or the hour, but I I know with all assurance that he who came the first time, just as the prophets foretold, will come again in his own time, in the fullness of time. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am there you may be also. One of these days, our Lord is coming again. Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. That's what we're to be concerned about, the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power in in converting sinners. We seem to be concerned almost about everything in the world, but the, the blessed Holy Spirit in our midst, that he would be with us, that he would bless and anoint and undergird all that we do it is only through the power of the holy spirit that anything is accomplished the flesh profiteth nothing without me you can do nothing all is vain unless the spirit of the holy one comes down when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up and received and a cloud out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, the one with the nail-pierced hands and feet and riven side, he, this same Jesus, is coming again in like manner as ye have seen him go up into heaven. This is what we're commemorated tonight. Oh, what a Savior. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? We were not there personally. But by his word, it's as real as if we were in that very room that night. And standing, gazing up into heaven as he went up. And this, we're remembering this Lord's Day evening. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. How clear it is to us. What you've spoken to us by your spirit. I pray you take this word tonight and teach it to every heart. 
as we contemplate and as we partake of this memorial meal. Bless us and come near us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.